0: You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. Good morning. 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 Yes, that's the best part. Um, Hey, I hope you guys all had a great Christmas. Uh, My name is Talavo, and I'm the high school pastor here at CBC. And it really is a gift uh, for me to get to be up here um, with y'all this morning. If this is your first time, uh, again, we are glad that you're with us. Um, I'm sure there are some people visiting for the holidays. Uh, and we've just wrapped up our series an uh, Advent uh, that we've called An Unexpected King. And I want you to know up front that I'm very aware of the reality that for some of you, I am a very unexpected pastor up here, right? Um, so maybe while you are on your way this morning or you were uh, in town, you heard about how awesome uh, the pastors are on staff at CBC and how great they are, how excited everybody is for uh, you to get to here, Bill and Clint, and then you get here and you brave the weather, and the coffee's great, um, and then the other guy shows up uh, and so get ready and then and the guy mumbles, I mumble a lot we'll have subtitles up here for you, uh, if you don't understand, but uh, we're, we're going to do our best to get through this together, okay? Uh, this morning, we're going to unpack a really familiar account in the Bible, uh, but one that I think has a lot of big implications for us, uh, especially in light of the season that we're in and the time of year that we're in. So we're going to be uh, taking a look at Martha and Mary, okay? So if you could uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10 in your Bibles. It'll be up on the screen in a little bit. Um, Before we jump in, I wanna give you a little bit of context to how we got here. Uh, Just some background um, on how Jesus gets to uh, Martha and Mary's house. So verse 38 in Luke 10, it says that while Jesus and his disciples went on their way, they entered a village. And we know that village is called Bethany uh, because that's where Martha's house is. But where exactly were they headed to? Right, so Luke 9, Verse 51, it says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Okay, so Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And Jesus, in the Gospels, Jesus setting his face towards Jerusalem is a really significant marker. Okay, so you take note of that when you're reading in, in the Gospels, when it indicates that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, that's a really big deal. Okay, and so one thing I don't want us to miss about this account is that it falls right in the middle of some very significant moments in Jesus ministry okay and there are a lot of conversations that he's gonna have with his disciples and um, with people that he cares about the most before he has to leave so here's here's what I mean he sets his face go to Jerusalem and then right after that at the end of Luke chapter 9 uh, he starts to talk to his disciples about what it would cost them to follow him Uh, And then he gathers 72 of them together. This is Luke 10 now at the beginning. And he says, go. And uh, and it says he sends them out into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Okay, this is kind of a trial run before he gets them all together again. He commissions them to go and make disciples of all nations. And then we get the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then later on in chapter 11, uh, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Right, so just before the Lord's Prayer, we get Martha and Mary. And I tell you all that to remind you that this account isn't a throwaway, okay? This isn't just some random, insignificant, like cute little encounter that Jesus has with these ladies. Um, His time is really short, and he's already set his face to go to Jerusalem, okay? So this encounter really matters uh, to Christ. This is a very precious moment to him, okay? So uh, we'll jump in, I'll read Luke 10. and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her." All right, so now this is a scene that a lot of us have probably just experienced this past week, okay? Uh, Martha is having company over, um, which which I'm learning is a lot different than having friends over, or even having, we're having some people over, okay? Having company over is a lot different. When your friends come over, You might tidy up a little bit, um, right? But generally speaking, there's not much pressure. There's not a ton of fanfare. You're gonna use paper towels and maybe paper plates. Um, Well, we love to have friends over. Having friends over is easy. Having friends over is really fun. But when we're having company over, it's a little different, right? Uh, I know we're having company over because Uh, my wife, Beth, starts to clean the bathroom pretty like vigorously, right? When we're having company over, we clean the bathroom, we're mopping and we're sweeping, we're getting behind the couch and in between the cushions, we're cleaning things in our house that people will never see, right? Um, When you're having company, we're bringing out the good plates and the silver and you're using doilies, I had to look that up, we're using doilies um, and real napkins, okay? We're calling the family together, having a meeting, and a pep talk, and if you're like me, you're threatening your kids to be on their best behavior. Or or you're making deals with them. I'm making deals with a four-year-old. True story, okay, it took us about 12 cookies to get our kids through Christmas Eve service, okay, at, at our church in Columbia. And then when Christmas dinner came around, we just went straight to Paw Patrol, okay, and only parents of toddlers know what Paw Patrol is. Okay, so Mary's got company over, and she's doing what a lot of us do when we have company over. Uh, Luke says that she's distracted with much serving. That's verse 40. And I like to imagine that while she's walking back and forth between the kitchen and the living room and picking up plates and making sure everyone's got their refill, that she's shooting looks at her little sister, right? And she's probably been trying to send signals to Mary for the last 10 minutes to get up and to help out, okay? And a lot of us know that look, okay? I know that look. Um, and a lot of us have probably experienced some of what happens after the company leaves when we don't respond correctly to that look, okay? But Martha doesn't wait for the company to leave. Verse 40 says that she went up to Jesus, it kind of like the language there is it kind of sprung up on him, she went up to Jesus, basically she snaps, she gets in Jesus' face, and she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, and then Jesus looks at her and says, "Martha, Martha, you better get out of my face, <laughs> right?" Which um, is not what this is. Okay. Sometimes, when we get to this account, we want to pit these two ladies against each other, right? We want to pit Martha up against Jesus, like, yeah, Martha, Mary. This is a story about how poor little Martha blew it, and Jesus put her in her place. Okay. Um, and he does correct Martha. But, what I, but there's something about this encounter that I don't want us to miss, okay? Uh, in John chapter 11, when Jesus hears that Lazarus, this is Martha and Mary's brother, but when he hears that Lazarus has died, and just before he makes his way back to Bethany uh, to raise him from the dead, John says in verse five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I think sometimes we get to this account and we tend to overlook the fact that Jesus loves Martha. Uh, and it's his affection for her that moves him to speak the truth to her in love, right? And so don't miss that as we kind of jump into this. So, so, Jesus loved Martha. And here's how you he read really the response verse 41 Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. His response is really interesting because he doesn't even answer her original question. Right, she wants Jesus to tell Mary to get up. She's been shooting looks at them all day, right, and she's had it. Uh, Lord, do you not care that my sister has has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But Jesus knows there's something much deeper going on here. Uh, He knows that this is... Uh, less about Martha's serving, and much more about the state of her heart, okay? He's diagnosed a much bigger problem. He says, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha, you're distracted. You're missing something. Here, Remember earlier, Luke tells us that Martha was distracted with much serving. That word, uh, distracted, means to be pulled away or to be drawn away. Uh, And so he says, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled because you're being pulled away, you're distracted. Okay, but from what? Uh, Well he goes on and he says, one thing is necessary and Mary has chosen the good portion. Okay, um, you're anxious and you're troubled because you're distracted from the one thing that matters the most. The one thing that is necessary, okay, the good portion. Now this is one of those passages, especially if you've been around a little while, okay, that because it's so familiar that we could uh, just kind of nod and amen that yeah, all we need is the one thing. Great, one thing, it's all we need. Um, But walk out of here and not know what Jesus is talking about, right? Uh, Or maybe you're confused and thinking to yourself, okay, what could be more important or more necessary than serving? Um, So that's why the first question we need to answer is what is the one thing? What is he talking about? What is the one thing? Jesus gives us a really big hint when he says, Mary has chosen the good portion, verse 42. He's alluding to something here. He wants to draw our attention and Martha's attention to something, okay? His words about Mary choosing the good portion echo some, some pretty significant, but like Old Testament passages, right? So uh, Psalm 16, verse five says, "'The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup.'" Psalm 73, 26 says, "'My flesh and my heart may fail, "'but God is the strength of my heart "'and my portion forever.'" Lamentations 324, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I have hope in him, or Numbers 18, verse 20, and the Lord said to Aaron, this is God speaking, you shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance, okay? So the one thing, the good portion, is Christ himself. Okay, the good portion is Christ himself, and Martha in all of her entertaining and serving Jesus has totally missed him. Okay, and so Luke again says, Martha was distracted. She was being pulled away from the one thing, and she's probably not the only one. Right, and so I think God in his grace uh, wants to use this passage to lovingly uh, reveal the things that have been distracting us, me and you, um, from the one thing. So here's what I wanna do next. We're gonna quickly unpack some of the distractions that I think Uh, can sometimes pull us away from the one thing. Okay, now that we know what the one thing is, or rather who uh, the one thing is. Okay, this obviously isn't an exhaustive list, uh, but I think these are some of the big ones. And you might notice that um, these aren't necessarily bad or evil things. Okay, distractions can be good things that we've made ultimate things. Okay, so the first distraction have three of them. The first one uh, is what we'll call Christian activities. Okay, this is what's been distracting Martha. Remember, uh, Luke says she's been distracted from with much serving. She's been pulled away by her serving. And just so we're clear, this isn't a call to stop serving. Okay, that would be really bad. This is not a call to stop serving. This isn't a call to stop engaging uh, in different activities, but they can become distractions when they lead to a lot of doing and not a lot of abiding. Um, right, because Jesus wants our affection and our attention way more than he wants our activity. Okay, Jesus wants your affection and your attention way more than he wants your activity. And actually, it's our growing affection for Christ that's going to motivate our activity, okay? Uh, It's possible to go to multiple Bible studies every single week and be distracted from actually knowing the God of the Bible, right? John 5. Uh, verse 39, 40. this is Jesus talking. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's possible to sit in a room like this and sing a few songs and recite some prayers and be distracted from the genuine worship of God. Uh, it's possible to serve in hospitality or in the coffee team and be distracted from really seeing or engaging with people. Uh, right? And it's possible to go to a community group or the high school college gathering and be totally distracted from experiencing real community and fellowship uh, with believers, okay? Just like it's possible to have the God of the universe literally sitting in your living room and being completely distracted by him, or from him, by your serving, okay? Um, so that's the first distraction is Christian activities. And now some of us might be thinking, okay, well, you know, I, I wish I had time to do maybe one of those things. I don't do much, I wish I did, but I, I'm just, I'm a little too busy. Okay, and that leads us to our next big distraction. Uh, it's our busyness. Okay, so how many times have you asked someone how they're doing and the answer is pretty, stand- I'm fine, we're fine, we're good, we're busy, we're just busy. It's a kind of busy, busy season, but we're good, we're fine, we're doing a little busy, right? Um, I don't feel like I need to spend too much time on this one because we get it, right? We're all busy, Martha, is busy. She's distracted with much serving. She has an enormous to-do list uh, and is apparently a little too busy to sit, to stop and sit at the Lord's feet, okay? And here's the thing about business. I, I worry a little bit because uh, sometimes I think that we tend to celebrate our busyness, uh, myself included, okay? And we hold it up like it's a gold star or, or we attach our value and our identity to how busy we are. Like the busier I am, that means the more important I am, the more significant I am. And oftentimes it's our schedules, it's our to-do lists, it's our self-imposed busyness um, that distracts us and pulls us away from the things that really matter, okay? From the things that we should actually be busy with. Uh, Some of us are just busy with the wrong things. Uh, And I want to lovingly Um, But unapologetically, I want to lovingly challenge you, okay? Just like I challenge our high school students, that if you find that you're too busy for community, if you're too busy to show up and worship and serve, if you're too busy to sit down and be with the Lord, then you or your kids are too busy, okay? If you are too busy for community, then you are too busy, and you have been distracted and pulled away from the one necessary thing, okay? And this is the last distraction. Uh, number three, it's the fear of man. Uh, that might sound really weird for some of us, okay, but quickly what I mean by that is uh, being overly concerned or preoccupied with the opinions of other people. So fear of man, it's a pretty broad category uh, and, and encompasses things like peer pressure or people pleasing. Uh, comparison or perfectionism even. So Fear Man is why I sometimes feel really self-conscious about having my Bible out uh, at a coffee shop on the table, right, and I'm a pastor. Okay, Fear Man is why we sometimes shy away from having any type of spiritual conversation with people, Uh, the person at work or at school. It's why we sometimes avoid being vulnerable with people that uh, even the people we're closest to. Okay, like I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm just busy. I'm just tired, I'm busy, I'm fine, right? A fear of man is why we sometimes compromise or hide. Uh, like, well, I don't want them to think I'm weird um, or uptight. I don't want them, I don't want to lose my credibility or my reputation or what would they think? Okay, fear of man, ask that question. What, what are they gonna think about me? A fear of man is a big distraction and it can pull us away from the one thing. I think Mary is struggling with some fear of man here, right? Maybe she's wondering, okay, what? would Jesus think about me if my house wasn't put together? Right? What about the company? Right? I gotta make sure everything is put together. What would they think if they found out or something was missing or something was a mess, okay? Um, so what about you? What are some distractions in your life? Is it Christian activities? Is it your busyness? Uh, is it fear of man? Or maybe your list looks a little bit like mine. Uh, Here's just a few things that have distracted me from Uh, The one thing, okay, from Christ himself, my cell phone, my desire to put together a really impressive sermon, been very distracting, Um, my social media intake, my fantasy football team, my college football team, uh, my unwillingness to be inconvenienced have caused me to be distracted from the one thing, and that's just from the last week, really... I don't wanna talk about the Gamecocks right now, Um, all right? And so the thing about these distractions um, is that they're often accompanied by a few things, okay? There are symptoms to our distractions, okay? Things like bitterness towards the Lord and towards other people. You can hear some of that bitterness come out in Martha when she says, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Don't you care? Doesn't anyone care? Uh, when you and I are distracted from the one thing, from Christ, then we might experience a growing bitterness. Uh, we might actually start to sound a lot like Martha and grow bitter and become more critical of the people around us, okay? Like, well, they, should, they obviously should care a little bit more about this, right? They don't care as much as I do about these things. Uh, we might also experience some loneliness or isolation. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Uh, Distractions can cause us to miss what's going on right in front of us, right? Or to miss the people that are right in front of us. I'm the only one doing this. I'm the only one who feels this way. I'm the only one who cares. Uh, And then when we're distracted from the one thing, we might also experience some fear and anxiety. All right, listen to Jesus uh, when he says to Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. We're gonna be covering fear and worry and anxiety at Winter Retreat with some of your high school students. Um, but just a quick lesson for you, okay? Our fear and our anxiety can often reveal the things that we treasure. Okay, our fear and our anxiety can reveal the things that we treasure, or you can look at it this way. You and I might experience fear and anxiety when what we treasure, when the things that we believe are most necessary are being threatened, okay? We feel anxiety when the things that we treasure the most are being threatened, okay? So here's an example. Money can be a source of anxiety for some of us, right? And a lot of times the reason that we fear not having enough money is because we think that money can secure the things that we believe we need the most, the things that we treasure, like our comfort or security or power or influence, okay? Or sometimes our appearance can be a source of anxiety or you might be overly concerned or worried about your reputation or your name. And what that can reveal is that what we treasure, uh, what we think we need the most is approval or acceptance or respect. All right, so here we have Martha growing in bitterness and uh, in fear and anxiety. And I think it's fair to say that what's underneath her serving might be a desire for approval or a desire for significance. Right, she's a servant. She wants to be known as the servant. Martha keeps a great house. Right? And it's what she believes makes her the most valuable. And notice that Mary isn't afraid or anxious, okay, why? Because the thing that she treasures the most can't and won't be taken away from her, right? Jesus' lovingly says, Martha, you're distracted and anxious, but Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. It's almost as if he's saying, the approval and the significance that you think you need, you already have in me. All right, so stop trying to work for it and come and sit down and be with me. Uh, And just let me real quickly kind of pause here and remind you, uh, maybe for the first time, okay, that this is the message of the gospel, that Christ has already accomplished what was impossible for me and you, okay? He's taken care of our greatest problem, our sin, And he secured the life and the joy and the satisfaction that we've been desperately trying to work for. And the invitation is to come and trust him and bank on his finished work on our behalf, right? So what do we do uh, to overcome these distractions? How do we fight bitterness and fear and anxiety? Um, What do we do when we're distracted from the one thing? I want to give you two things. Uh, The first one is to cultivate intimacy with Christ, Hey, cultivate intimacy with Christ. Luke says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. All right, how do you grow and deepen a relationship with anyone? All right, you sit and you listen. You give them your attention and you give them your affections, right? It's the same with Christ. Some of us just need to carve out some time to sit and listen to the Lord. And I know of no better way to sit and listen to the Lord than to read your Bible, and to pray. And before you tune me out, because that's a very Christian thing to do, okay? Um, I'm not asking you to be biblical scholars or learn Greek or anything like that, okay? But I'm, I am asking you to maybe start by carving out 10 minutes every day to sit and listen to the Lord. And I know you're busy, but I also know that you've got 10 minutes, okay? Uh, and I know how intimidating that intimidating that is and how awkward Um, It feels like the idea of sitting down to read your Bible and to pray seems so foreign sometimes, so I just have a few kind of quick pointers to get you started. Okay, when it comes to reading your Bible and praying, your goal should be frequency. Okay, your goal should be frequency. Um, It's way better for you to spend 10 minutes every day reading your Bible and praying, do five minutes of each, than it is for you to try and sit down one or two days a week for 30 minutes. Okay, Uh, shoot for frequency. Uh, And pick a book of the Bible to slowly read through instead of like random snippets. Okay, some of us get thrown out because we're only reading what Instagram says we should be reading, or whatever our calendar says. Okay, and that's not necessarily wrong. Um, But work through a book of the Bible slowly. If you don't know where to start, maybe uh, start in the Gospel of Mark, or work your way through Acts, or uh, one of Paul's letters, okay, and pick a translation that you actually enjoy reading. Um, And then, here's what I say about prayer. I know it's way more awkward than reading your Bible, um, but it does get a little less awkward the more you do it, so three things on that. Um, The first thing you should do is plan to pray. Okay, remember, uh, frequency, just what what five minutes of your day you're gonna do, okay? I pray in the car all the time. It's a very natural place for me to pray. So plan to pray. Pray when you feel like it. Okay, so every single time you feel like you ought to pray, just pray. A lot of us, ah, that's just weird, I can't do it here, it's kind of weird, People. every time you wanna pray, pray, and then pray out loud, okay? Plan to pray, pray when you feel like it, and try to pray out loud. Um, and the more you do it, the more you're gonna grow uh, in prayer and in reading your Bible, okay? So the first thing that we can do to overcome and prevent distractions is to cultivate and intimacy with Christ and the next thing we can do is to cultivate fellowship with believers. Okay, the best way to overcome the fear of man and the best way to fight bitterness and isolation and a critical spirit is to move towards people. It's to move towards community. Uh, Martha, in all of her serving and her doing and her bitterness didn't only miss out on an opportunity for some intimacy with Christ, She also missed out on an opportunity to experience meaningful community with the people around her. Um, So as we draw near to the end of this sermon, thank God, right, Um, and the end of the year, okay, and look forward to doing, as as you're thinking about um, different resolutions and goals for yourself and your family, what are you going to do differently this next year, my hope is that we would not forget that only one thing is necessary, Only one thing is necessary. And then we would hear Jesus lovingly point us away from distractions and back to himself. Uh, And so maybe some application as we leave uh, for some of us would be to take some time over the next week to reflect a little bit and ask yourselves a few questions. Um, What things have distracted me from Christ this year? What things have distracted you from the one thing this year. Where have I been anxious and troubled, right? Because that might reveal the places in your life where maybe you've over-treasured a few things. Where have you experienced anxiety and fear? And how can I cultivate more intimacy with Christ and fellowship with believers? How can I move towards people uh, in this next year? And remember, Jesus wants our affection and our attention way more then he wants our activity uh, and then our doing. So here's what he says, and we'll end here. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Let me pray for us, uh, and we'll worship. Lord, thank you, thank you for your word. God, thank you for, um, and again, the reality that everything uh, that we just read out of Luke is true. Uh, Lord, that uh, it is your desire uh, to tell us the truth and that we would know uh, you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us uh, to see the places in our lives where we have uh, been distracted. God, I thank that you love us enough to point us back to the one thing that matters the most. So I pray, Lord, as we continue to worship, God, that you would allow us um, and maybe to hear from you, to not be distracted uh, by our singing, and to experience um, and real worship and real fellowship um, with you and with the people around us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.